Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Soleil Ho has often been responsible for some of the Chronicle's most read stories since they joined the newsroom in 2019. They've been a game changer for food coverage in the Bay Area, bringing new perspectives to how we think about the food we eat and the people who prepare it for us. Some of Soleil's most recent stories have interrogated the role of food criticism in the gentrification of the Bay Area and why a $350 tasting menu at Napa Valley's famed French Laundry restaurant just isn't worth it. But now it's time for Soleil to give their hot takes elsewhere. They're moving on, but not going far. Earlier this month, Soleil moved to the opinion section of The Chronicle to become a columnist and cultural critic. After four years of examining the Bay Area restaurant scene and navigating the impacts of the pandemic on the industry, what does Soleil plan to do next? They won a James Beard Award for their work in 2022. So why is this the right time to do something else? What do they plan to tackle in their new role? Soleil's first piece as a columnist publishes this weekend. They'll give you a sneak peek on what it's about. Soleil Ho, welcome back to Fifth Emission. Thanks for having me. Soleil, it's a big transition for our newsroom. You've been a food critic for four years, and now you're making a new move. And I wanted to quote something you said in your last piece as a food critic. You compared the job to being like, quote, the Supreme Court justices of the journalism world, meaning long tenures are common, but for you, four years was enough. When did you know that it was time to stop, Soleil? <laughs> I... I guess I didn't really know, no, you know, I just sort of thought it was just a bee in my bonnet for a while, maybe for a year or two years, just thinking, okay, what's next? Because I'm relatively young when you think about the biz and I'm 35 for the record. And I just was wondering, okay, like what else? Because it feels like, especially being a critic, I don't want to be an editor it feels like a terminal sort of job. And I thought, okay, maybe there's something else I can do just to keep things exciting and fun for me, you know? And why make this change now? What specifically are you feeling pulled to do in this moment? So before I was a food critic, I wrote pretty broadly and I made podcasts about a lot of different topics. And I've always been really interested in culture and all the things that sort of get in the way of being human. You know what I mean? And these big, you know, meaty, ethical, moral, philosophical questions that we deal with all the time when we're just trying to live, especially when the pandemic rolled around, those questions became really prominent in the restaurant world. Mm -hmm. Like, is it moral to go to restaurants? Is it is it your imperative to use DoorDash versus caviar versus Uber Eats, right? Like, there became this 
really popular moral component to eating at restaurants. It became a matter of patriotism almost. And it, you know, it lit that fire under me of like, oh my gosh, people are really interested in these questions and in ethics and in really weighing the long-term consequences of their actions and maybe like our obligations to each other, which was a big theme, I think, and has been a big theme of the pandemic for better or for worse. And I'm excited to get into that again. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like writing about broader topics was maybe a shift you were going to eventually make, but do you think the pandemic accelerated that shift for you? I think so. It was, at least the pandemic was and has been a really interesting opportunity for these large-scale conversations about obligation and about our relationships to each other. So yes, (laughs) it proved to me that people are interested. And there's a lot of debate, right, over what we owe each other and how we see our relationships to society and just the collective versus the individual. And whether or not I've been explicit about it, those have all been really important themes to my work. And in what ways do you think food writing has prepared you for this transition? What specifically will you carry into your new role from your previous one? I am still really interested in food culture stories, and I think that I will continue to do those things, although not necessarily about, you know, the nitty gritty of going to a restaurant and like, how is the food, that sort of thing. I'm I'm not going to write about that because that's that's for the new critic. But I do want to still talk about food as a cultural object, as a, a metaphor for how we live and how we relate to each other. I still think there's a lot there. I think that'll continue to be a thread, whether I like it or not. And you and your colleague, Cesar Hernandez, wrote about food gentrification recently. And you've interrogated the role that you've played in the gentrification of the Bay Area since your work guides our readers to certain neighborhoods and establishments. Have those sentiments also influenced your new direction? (laughs) I don't think so. It's sort of a chicken and egg thing, right? Right. I don't think I would have written that if I hadn't already been interested in those bigger ideas. And I came into this job already thinking about the critic as, gosh, you know, I hate this word, but thought leader as a a guide, right? As a person who normalizes things for other people. I could write about a restaurant and write about what I expect. And in turn, the reader would come to understand what they should expect out of that experience. It's a really powerful role. And it's something that I've never really taken lightly. I think a lot about just what what the unintended consequences of such a role might be, you know. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Solejo, before the break, we talked about the responsibility you felt as a restaurant critic for the Chronicle. Is there anything you wish you could have done differently in that role? Mm, I mean... I had a dream of writing that interesting, literary, amazing piece about the Pacifica Taco Bell, and I just never really got around to it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the most beautiful Taco Bell in the world. Right. 
but I feel pretty good. One of the low-key goals that I had was to win a James Beard Foundation Award, and I did, so that's pretty awesome. Amazing. I'm glad I did that. (laughs) Yeah. A great feather to put in your cap for sure. I know. I know. I I feel like people are going to be like, wait, they won this award and they're just bouncing? Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's just my style, I guess. You know, I recently did an interview with Chris Crowley at New York Magazine about this, and he also asked me, like, what are my regrets? And I told him I make up a lot of fake regrets because I hold myself to this ridiculous standard of behavior and of production, which has often been to my detriment. And, you know, I was I joked to him, like, why couldn't I solve the the war in Ukraine? Like <laughs> And just complete detachment from reality that my brain can have sometimes with regards to, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing at any given time. So, yeah, I have like the fake regrets, but not many real ones, if I'm being honest. Well, there was something that you shared with me when we first recorded a conversation together on this podcast. That was back in March 2022. And you mentioned at that point that being a restaurant critic was a, quote, very isolating practice. Do you think your new role will bring connections that maybe you've been craving in some way? I think so. Okay, so this feels like an essay that I don't feel like writing, so I'll just talk to you about it. (laughs) Sure. One of the hardest things about being a restaurant critic, which is upfront, like is one of the easier jobs in the world. So let's just be straight up about that. But relatively speaking, one of the harder things was just not having ownership over my own name. Mm. I would go to restaurants and I couldn't be myself. It was almost like an out-of-body experience where I was a character, even though quite a few restaurants, they they understood who I was mm-hmm. because they had a picture of me in the back or something like that. But I always went under an alias like Grace or Alex or whatever, just so that they wouldn't know it was me coming in. Mm-hmm. I would go to you know a bakery and they would they always ask for your name for your order and I'd just give a, a fake name and it just it wears on you a little bit of just I live here but I just can't be here. I would stress out if someone let my name slip during a conversation at a restaurant. I'd be like, oh, shh. Mm. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, uh, like everything's ruined. And that sucks. It makes you not a great friend and not a great person to be with just as a dining companion, right? Because there's this whole rigmarole, there's this whole artifice that you have to deal with. So I won't miss that. It would be nice to get my name back. Yeah. It sounds like now in this new role, You'll be able to be fully yourself, which could feel very liberating, I I would imagine. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's 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 such a weird thing. That was not something I ever predicted in this role, but that was the most immediate, sort of human part of the experience for me. And that's not the reason I stepped away from it, but it was something that on reflection, I was like, wow, I was actually kind of stressed about this. And at the same time, I I think I've mentioned this to you in the past, Soleil. One of my favorite pieces was this beautiful essay that you wrote about caring for your sister after she gave birth and cooking for her. And I just remember reading that and thinking, what a beautiful, strong sense of personal voice. Do you think you'll also lean in that direction in a way, maybe sharing 
more of your personal life. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I am petrified of sharing anything about my personal life just because I'm hyper aware of how that information can be used against you. So even that story about my sister was like a lot. You know, I don't really mention her name or the specific city where she lives. I try to be really careful with photos and make sure they don't show anywhere where anyone lives. It depends on the texture of what personal information goes out. I don't talk about my husband, for instance, because I just really don't want anyone to know anything about him. But opinion is a place where, at the very least, I can still use I when I talk about things. And that's important to me, to use that grounding to make my thoughts more relatable to other people, because I don't want to get too academic. And we've seen you use that I in some of your pieces. Even as a food critic, you veered away from writing about food and weighed in on some pretty thorny San Francisco topics in the past, like whether recalling Chesa Boudin would end anti-Asian violence or how the political discourse around San Francisco feels like a fan fiction narrative can we anticipate similar threads in your new role? Will you be sort of joining this chorus of political banter about San Francisco that people seem to love and hate? <laughs> I feel like it's going to be inevitable. Because you know what's funny? I was just out of town for a funeral in the Midwest with um, some folks that um, are not necessarily my family, but you know, related to me. And they're from all over the country. And a few times they'd be like, oh, so where do you live these days? And I said, San Francisco. And a, a couple people had thoughts about San Francisco, like a lot of thoughts, <laughs> despite not living there. And I got drawn into these conversations that were basically just riffing off of things they'd heard on right-wing media. Obviously, <laughs> there's space to talk about the mythology and the storytelling that happens when you make out a city to be a political enemy, essentially. I think that's part of living here. And that's a really interesting aspect of it that I think I will probably have thoughts about as things come up. But I mean, broadly speaking, I would love to write more about other places in the Bay Area and about housing and about the many, I mean, diverse ideologies that exist here and commingle and sometimes come into conflict. I find that so fascinating. Well, your first piece in your new role as Chronicle Calmness will come out this weekend. Can you give us a teaser about what it will be about? What can we anticipate? Yes. So it is about the practice of tipping. There's some new information out from a payment processing company, a really big one, about the increase in tipping that's happened since 2020. And it's super interesting. And I am reading into it. I am talking to people about it, about economic justice and about whether tips will be, I don't know, whether tips make sense as a practice, what tips are for even, because I think on paper, right? Like, how would you define tipping? Um, I guess tipping is a way to show how much you appreciated a service or not appreciated a service, I suppose, or a supplement to this understanding that they are most likely being not paid enough. I think 
it's been the former for a long time. But since the pandemic began, it's increasingly become the latter in a really interesting way. And it's bringing up a lot of questions about just, okay, whose job is it to pay people? So yeah, that's (laughs) essentially what the column is about. Such a great topic to kick off your new role. I can't wait to read it. Soleil, such a valuable voice in our newsroom. I'm so glad we're going to be seeing you use it in a different way. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Former restaurant critic Soleil Ho is a columnist and cultural critic at The Chronicle. You can find Soleil's first piece in their new role about restaurant tipping at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app starting Saturday. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>